Welcome, everybody. We're here talking about a Vincent Price movie, finally. Finally? Gosh. It takes forever for us to get around to Vincent Price movies, but we do. I don't know if I would call it getting around to them. Well, I'm just saying cycling through the episodes in the show. Well, yeah, okay, yes. That's what I'm saying. Okay. We pepper them through. That sounds better. Y'all know what I mean. <laughs> We're going to talk about a movie that is infamous. Infamous? Yes. And what is that movie, Andrew? It's a movie about a grade A bastard. <laughs> Witchfinder General. You will each be tied in a prescribed fashion and cast into the moat. Only from the pen of Edgar Allan Poe could come such an horrendous tale of terror. The Conqueror Worm. Starring Vincent Price in the most diabolic role of his career. Look for the devil's marks upon him. Get on with your task. The distorted genius of Poe creates poetic beauty from pain and uses idyllic love as a tool of torture. Men sometimes have strange motives for the things they do. I know. You've got an accusation to make. I'll get your confession for you. I'm husband to Sarah Lowe. He's a man who's out to kill both of us. And it appears to me that we should take steps to see to his death first. Leave the children at home. And if you're squeamish, stay home with them. I shall kill you. Please, leave the children at home. Matthew Hopkins, total jerk face. I would say worse about him. He was absolutely worse than jerk face. So he gets hired by people to find witches. He travels the countryside to these towns. That's his, like, showman thing. Right. He's got a guy in tow who is a thug and who has two other dudes with them. And they're thugs under that guy. And they torture people for confessions. They get paid in gold or whatever in order to get these confessions out of whoever's accused of being a witch. And he does this time and time again all across the countryside. That's his job. And the story in the movie has a young couple gets engaged and they are apart because one of them is a soldier. Obviously the dude is a soldier and the lady is the niece of a parson. And the parson's awesome and gave them the hand of blessing and all that stuff. But he's been accused. So word comes back to our hero and he has to go rescue people and he gets there a little bit too late all sorts of messed up stuff happens matthew tries to seduce the girl take advantage of her because she's a foxy babe it's a tygon movie which is a hammer horror sort of movie but it's not hammer but in that day boobs a plenty or <laughs> bustiers a plenty right. but the thug at one point does end up raping the woman and it's just horrible it's got a very down ending this is a feel bad movie that's very true it's also vincent price's so far as i've seen best performance <laughs> he's a good villain what i always want out of vincent price is is not just the campy thing that he did all throughout the 60s and what he ended up kind of jokingly doing in stuff that he was in in the 80s. I want him to actually be a character who isn't that broad, humorous version of Vincent Price. And that's what this is. This is a really subdued, straightforward, narrow version. Yeah. Not yeah. even version of him. He's playing a different character. Right. Dr. Fibes or something. <laughs> or Egghead. Or Egghead, yeah. <laughs> or what he's known as. Or yeah. Vincent Van Gogh. 
stuff like this. So that's that's what I really like about his performance in this movie. So about what time period was this? It's the 17th century in England. So I'm going to be boring for a little bit and talk not only about what this film got right or it got wrong, but really in general about what was happening in England at the time. Okay. Well, what was happening in England at the time? There were a few factors that led to this whole witch-finding frenzy. But before we get really into it, I just want to say I am so fascinated by history. Okay. The reason is we are taught that these things are separate events. Like this happened and then this happened. But it's not a this happened at the same time as this was happening and this was happening. Example, we think of Victorian era and Mm -hmm. we think over there they're fighting zombies and (laughs) being Jane Austen. So we're thinking about that. But we're not thinking about this. But at the same time, there's cowboys and Indians. Yeah, it's over the that Wild way. West. Yeah, that's the biggest example to me because I recently realized that. And like when I say recently, I mean within the past like four or five years, it just occurred to me. You know, I think it was actually, and I don't know why I feel embarrassed to say this, but I think it was actually Penny Dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so sometimes I'm looking into these things and it's mind blown situation. Like, like, whoa, what? Like that was this? Did that happened over there. Yeah, so what I'm thinking about here is the same book. I'm talking about King James's demonology book. Yeah, I was gonna ask you if you've heard of that. Right, influenced Shakespeare to write Macbeth around the same time that Matthew Hopkins was influenced by it to do the witch hunts. So it's just crazy. Like you think, oh, Shakespeare, that was so long ago. I wonder why Shakespeare and, didn't write any witch hunting things, or did he? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Um, Romeo and witch hunting. <laughs> I don't know. That's dumb. Anyway, continue. So what was going on in England at this time? About a hundred years prior, the Reformation occurred. Protestants versus Catholics. Yeah, pretty much. So that started the conflict between them, where the Protestants were thought of as heretics. Yeah, because they're opposing the dogma set by the Holy Catholic Church. Yes. So heresy at the time was a crime punishable by death, and very soon afterwards, witchcraft also became criminalized. So I'm going to call it the war on witches because that's something in our modern vernacular that everybody says. It was thought of in an apocalyptic way. What does that mean? In broad terms, it's Christ versus Satan. Okay. And the more witches that they got rid of, the less army Satan had. Sure. The second thing is the English Civil War. Now, what that was, was King Charles I was fighting tooth and nail for his divine right to govern, which meant that he believed he was given power by God to rule, so his decisions could never be questioned or challenged. So he's thinking that he is as powerful as the Catholic Church. Right, the Pope or or whatever, yeah. Because they say the same thing about Uh themselves. Right. And the opposition to the king were the parliamentarians and... I'm thinking they're the people that are for a governing body as opposed to one person, a dictator or a king. Yeah, that's right. They wanted parliament, because there was a parliament at the time, they wanted them to have more governing power and break away from the monarchy. Right. And the film, there's a narration at the beginning that kind of outlines all of this and it's it's actually pretty useful. The year is 1645. England is in the grip of bloody civil war. On the one side stand the royalist party of King Charles. On the other, Cromwell's parliamentary party, the Roundheads. The structure of law and order has collapsed. 
Local magistrates indulge their individual whims. Justice and injustice are dispensed in more or less equal quantities and without opposition. An atmosphere in which the unscrupulous revel and the likes of Matthew Hopkins take full advantage of the situation. In a time where the superstitions of country folk are still a powerful factor, Hopkins preys upon them, torturing and killing in a supposed drive to eliminate witchcraft from the country, doing so with the full blessing of what law there is. However, his influence is confined largely to the eastern sector of the country, East Anglia, which is held firmly in Cromwell's grasp. Normally when there's a narration at the beginning yeah, of a film, it's like, oh. oh gosh, this is going to be a terrible yeah. movie. But yeah, it's it's really good. So the film actually refers to these parliamentarians, they just call them roundheads, yeah. which were the nickname for the parliamentarians. Okay. And the roundheads, because of the helmet that they wore, was kind of like a bullet. Well, sort of. What I read was their haircuts. Were, oh, really? They had the, like a bowl haircut a lot of times. <laughs> I thought it was the helmets. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. Roundheads, they're running around with these helmets that are kind of, not quite pointy, but more bullet-shaped. Yeah. Round. But it's really about their hairdos. Yeah, haircuts. They're all Beatles. Mm -hmm. The Beatles. Mm -hmm. Preedles. (laughs) Pre-Beatles. That doesn't work either. But anyway, so the English Civil War happened. Mm-hmm. And it, it was still going on. Oliver Cromwell is portrayed in the film. The Battle of Naseby, which is one of the more famous battles yeah. in the English Civil War. They do draw a lot from actual history. Right. So the other thing is more sociological. And I kind of just think people are dumb and people suck. <laughs> <laughs> People were so scared of witchcraft at this time that they would turn their own guilt into an accusation. So say, for example, someone would feel guilty for turning down like a poor old woman who's asking for charity. Okay, so how does that turn into an accusation of witchcraft? Well, to ease their guilt on this they'd make up that she would be harboring resentment so because she was turned away so of course she's going to curse them if she's resenting them so obviously she's a witch so that's judging people based on your own insecurities yeah which is what a lot of people do still like so much Mm -hmm. but i refer to this every once in a while and maybe not necessarily on this podcast but sometimes i reference this correct be they left-leaning or whatever i don't care one way or the other but they're rather informative they cite their sources and stuff sometimes they discuss this very thing where our ancestors you know generations past Mm -hmm. are actually rather dumb (laughs) compared to us and even like the dumbest of us are kind of smarter way smarter by comparison and that has to do with well obviously education but nature and nurture Mm -hmm. the nurture aspect of this is is um steeped in superstitions and ignorance right and ignorance begets ignorance begets ignorance and it's something that we know now that we still don't seem to want to shake but the superstitious stuff they just make things up and say, uh-huh. yes, it's true. Right, exactly. Because, and it's motivated by very many things. And mm-hmm. in this example that you've given, it's motivated by insecurity? Yeah, I think so. Well, that's just doofy. Yeah, people are dumb and they don't know how to process things. Now, as depicted in the film, Vincent Price plays... Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder. Rather subtly. 
for Vincent Price especially. Vincent mm-hmm. Price is, like I said, he's very broad in his humor and his presentation of a villain. He is somewhat the, not necessarily the template usually, but kind of a variation of the twirling mustache villain when he yeah. plays that. It's a hoot to watch him play it that mm-hmm. way, but this, he's not playing it that way at all. Right. He's a guy who says, I'm going to do this thing, and he does do that thing. And it's a horrible thing. And it's a horrible thing, but this is just the way it is. And it absolutely sucks. Now, there are many more reasons for him sucking, but in the movie, it's simply that he's just swindling people out of their money and murdering people. Yeah. Okay, so Matthew Hopkins was a really, really awful person. First of all, he made up his own title. He wasn't the actual Witchfinder General. No, he was the self-proclaimed Witchfinder General. I like to think about when Kurt Loder would make it a point to say Michael Jackson was the self-proclaimed King of Pop. <laughs> well, now you have Witchfinder General yeah. add that to... He claimed to be appointed by a special commission of Parliament, but that was a total lie. And he used this lie to extort the money from the taxpayers. Yeah. This- This stuff is actually hinted at in the film. I mean, there's some that's a little bit more explicit than others, but the extortion of the money is all hinted at. He also exploited the fear of witchcraft, which, by the way, he only went into villages where he knew that he would be welcomed. Like, either he was invited or he just knew that it was okay. I wonder if he just sent his men up ahead to see. (laughs) Like scouts? To feel it out. Like, yeah, Yeah. it seems like they might be... uh, welcoming a a bit of a stabbing, you know what I mean? (laughs) Very well. Right. So, you know, a lot of times he would know the local law enforcement ahead of time so he knew that he could get away with stuff or that they would work with him. And, of course, towns with a higher religiosity. Okay. Now, torture, which is a very big part of this film, was illegal in England at the time. Illegal. Illegal. Yet... Hopkins did it. Well, he was a lawyer, so he knew how to manipulate the law to get away with this stuff. So he would disguise his torture methods as methods of interrogation. Okay. So, you know, you tweak it a little bit and you can get away with it. That's an interrogation method. Yeah, that's not torture. That's a means to get the truth out. Right. So it's okay. But we all know that under duress of torture, people will very often confess to things that they did not do just to get the pain to stop. Also, some of these methods, they leave the person completely discombobulated. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. They're not in the right minds. Yeah, they're going to maybe say that they did something. Like Even today, I mean, you watch Making a Murderer and you see that, that Brendan Dassey is coerced into this confession that... That's not quite torture, but it is coercion of a person who... Is isn't necessarily wise to it. Yeah, exactly. So it's just nuts. Another reason why he sucks is that he was a creep who would end interrogations of alleged witches by sleeping with them. Yeah, that's what the movie explored a little yeah. bit of, where he was like, In private talk, you may shed some light on his innocence. Private. Yes, away from the distraction of the crowds. Perhaps in the quiet of your room tonight, you might be able to help me prove him guiltless. Would you release him now? You might be convinced tonight that this is all needless. Like, well, she really tries to save her own skin by using her femininity, mm-hmm. and he goes for it. There's that scene where he basically just sets up a threesome. Yeah. And you just feel so dirty. Not in a, like, ooh, sexy dirty, but, like, just... Well, because you recognize bleh. that it's awful. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. So, to me... 
Matthew Hopkins was nothing more than a con man who was into torture porn. And he sucked at writing. <laughs> he, he and his right-hand man, they wrote a book. His right-hand man is John Stern, and they both wrote this book. Stupid. Stupid <laughs> writing. Bad, dumb writing. I can't stand it. It was witch-finding methods, really, yeah. that they explored. Right. Accounts of how they determined if people were witches or not. Right. So why he sucks in this is that he always refers to himself in the third person. He calls himself... The gentleman, or the gentleman, uh-huh. or the discoverer, the person who discovers the witches. And it makes for some of the most awkwardly written sentences I've ever read. <laughs> it's not just archaic languages where they throw in a superfluous E or some strange Y here and there. Uh-huh. It's just awkwardly written sentences. It's bad. <laughs> And that's such an assy thing to do, is referring to yourself in the third person. Yeah, it shows about an ego. Yeah. Like, even in interviews, with, if you have with somebody, you're like, you don't say, I'm not here to talk about my movies, I'm here to talk about my band. You say, Andrew's not here to talk about his movies, he's here to talk about his band. What an ass. Exactly. Well, not me, really, that's fake me. I'm not really an ass. <laughs> I think. I hope. <laughs> no comment. Hey. 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 So, here's an excerpt from the book, Endure It. Certain queries answered which have been and are likely to be objected against Matthew Hopkins in his way of finding out witches. Query number four. I pray, where was this experience gained and why gained by him and not by others? Answer. The discoverer never traveled far for it. But in March 1644, he had some seven or eight of that horrible sect of witches living in a town where he lived. A town in Essex called Manningtree, with diverse other adjacent witches of other towns, who every six weeks in the night, being always on the Friday night, had their meeting close by his house, and had their several solemn sacrifices there offered to the devil. One of which this discoverer heard speaking to her imps one night, and bid them go to another witch, who was thereupon apprehended and searched by women who had for many years known the devil's marks and found to have three teats about her which honest women have not so upon command from the justice they were to keep her from sleep two or three nights expecting in that time to see her familiars which in the fourth night she called in by their several names and told them what shapes in a quarter of an hour before they came in there being ten of us in the room the first she called was Holt who came in like a white kittling second Jamara who came in like a fat spaniel without any legs at all she said she kept him fat for she clapped a hand to her belly and said he sucked good blood from her body Third, Vinegar Tom, who was like a long-legged greyhound with head like an ox, with a long tail and broad eyes, who when this discoverer spoke to and bade him go to the place provided for him and his angels, immediately transformed himself into the shape of a child four years old without a head, and gave half a dozen turns about the house and vanished at the door. Fourth, Sack and Sugar, like a black rabbit. Fifth, News, like a polecat. All these vanished away in a little time. Immediately after this witch confessed, several other witches from whom she had her imps and named to diverse women where their marks were, the number of their marks and imps and imps' names as Elmajor, Pie Whacket, Peckin the Clown, Grizzle Greedy Gut, etc., which no mortal could invent. And upon their searches, the same marks were found, the same number in the same place, and the like confessions of them of the same imps, though they knew not that we were told before 
and so peached one another thereabouts that joined together in the like damnable practice. That was awful. Yeah, that language is pretty difficult. You're right. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's go back and discuss what the hell he's talking about. Okay, the writing of that just made it awful to do. If you can clear it up, clear it up. So he's talking about some of these witch-finding methods that he used. And the first thing is the examination for teats. By women who know the devil's marks. Yes. What they are is a place on a witch's body where her imps or familiars will come to suckle. Okay. Okay, so they can be disguised as a wart or a mole or something as gross as a hemorrhoid. Ew. Yeah. Or Um, a vestigial third nipple. Yes, just any kind of weird mark on your body could be considered. So Mark Wahlberg is a witch, according to this criteria. Does he have three nipples? Yes. Oh, I guess so. So do I. I am a warlock! Oh wait, so do you, you mean you have three nipples? That's what I am a warlock means! Oh, I didn't know. You're my wife, you see me shirtless all the time! You are a consort of mine! You are also a witch! <laughs> wow. And scene. Wow. I was thinking of trying out for the new Skeletor. Huh. In the new He-Man. Yeah, I don't know what... New for the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means either. So the idea behind these teats, by the way, was that if any of them were pricked, that the witch would not bleed, nor would they feel any pain. And that was the signifier that this is truly a devil's mark. That doesn't make any sense. Cause exactly. Because if you stab it, it'll bleed. And the accused witch will go, Ow! Don't ow! Yes. So while watching this film, I had this total does not compute moment. I'm sure you remember where this concept just would not make sense to me whatsoever because in the film, they were poking them and prodding them and the people were screaming and they had, you know, this prismacolor blood coming out and they were like, yes, she's a witch because of this. And like, it just did not make any sense because what? The person's screaming. Yeah. This is a thing that the movie got wrong. Mm. Okay. This was fabricated for the film for dramatic purposes of having blood and guts and screaming and torture. Okay. Okay, because... Making it a horror movie. Yes. What I found out is that Matthew Hopkins went so far as to have trick retractable blades made. So when they would do this... The person wouldn't bleed or oh. feel anything. Yeah, I didn't know they had springs back then. But Apparently, it's dumb that they wouldn't have springs. Yeah, if somebody would. Yeah, but you just don't think about any kind of technology about that. Huh. So that completely just like lifted this this cloud of disbelief. Yes, from my shoulders. Okay. Wow. So he would just go around poking, and then they wouldn't just so that he would. What a dick. Yeah. So it's a parlor trick. So, the suckling of imps. One of the sure tell signs that someone was a witch was that they had these crazy names for their imps. And yeah. they were laid out in that writing. Yeah. Um, Vinegar Tom. And yeah, so I think Vinegar Tom's my favorite. Yeah. But it's it's a dumb with it or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not cool. Most of the time, though, the imps were actually just household pets. Like my familiar, Josie. Yes. She's my cat. Yeah. The thing was, though, that these names and like these crazy. Like, crazy descriptions of like vinegar tom and those things could not possibly be thought of by a mortal <laughs> yeah, yeah. stupid immortals think that so a witch is immortal yeah, yeah i yeah. guess i guess so people weren't creative 
ever. Yeah, a lot of this, like like the demonology book, seems to be creative writing, fanfic, or or, or just like World War Z was a book that was not quite a novel. It's a strange collection of articles found all over the world mm-hmm. about zombies and stuff. So that's like a unique way to put together a creative writing assignment type of thing. So, oh, it's not quite a novel. It's just art. You sell that as a novel, but it's like an unconventional novel. The new Twin Peaks book is similar to that. But, like this demonology book, that could have been just like a creative writing that taps into people's fears and stuff. And how do they just take that and run with it? Well, it was written by the king, that one. Yeah, Stephen King? <laughs> so in the film, they do have an accuracy to other interrogation methods, torture methods. Accuracy? Yes. So like dunkings and stuff? Well, I'm talking about running people around. Like they would force them to run in circles like or back and forth or Exhausting up, up and down stairs yeah. all the time. Depriving them of sleep, forcing them to be in this cold, awful prison cell forever. All, all those things were real things that happened. The other test, the big thing that Hopkins would do, he would make this huge spectacle of this, is uh, what they refer to as swimming. Yeah, okay. Okay. The idea here was that if you drop a witch into water, she's going to float because she's rejecting the waters of baptism. Okay. I mean, not okay, but okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Logically. So he would bind them in really unusual ways. Like he would tie their arms crossed between their legs. He would tie their thumbs to their big toes. Yeah. And dunk them in water for three times just to be sure. You know, just really awful, uncomfortable positions. And a lot of them would actually drown. Yeah. And they would say, he surrendered himself to God. Good for him. Right. She was innocent. (laughs) This is what (laughs) Hopkins says in the movie. Yeah. This makes me think of that old Nirvana lyric. What's that? In Serve the Servants, where he says, I'm like, you got it wrong, (laughs) Kurt Cobain. Right, well, he got it from Monty Python. I guess. In the Holy Grail, (laughs) where they're like... There are ways of telling whether she is a witch. Tell me, what do you do with witches? And what do you burn apart from witches? More witches! Wood! So, why do witches burn? Because they're made of wood. Uh, Does a wood sink in water? No, 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 it floats. What also floats in water? Bread, apples, uh, very small rocks, cider, a great gravy, cherries, mud, a churches, churches, lead, lead, a duck, exactly. So, logically, if she weighs the same as a duck, she's made of wood, and therefore, a witch! A witch! Yeah, right. So that's swimming. Swimming. So when I say I want to go swimming, that's not at all what I mean. I figured. I figured that. Even though I have a third nipple. So what I'm saying, I'm just saying third nipple is a third nipple. I'm not really a warlock. People, I hope you know that was just an act. (laughs) I'm not really a warlock. I do have a third nipple and I do sometimes like to go swimming. I'm not a witch, okay? You have a cat. I do. It's a pet cat. It's not Mm -hmm. a monster familiar thing. Mm -hmm. She she turns into a headless child when I'm asleep. (laughs) That's disturbing. It's really... (laughs) disturbing and runs around the house six times and disappears by the door oh my god jeez so opposition to hopkins 
there was some opposition now so we don't normally think of people resisting in these times like because well, everybody's a dummy as we already said yeah it's like usually thought of this, this mass hysteria that everyone's a part of but there was a movement against the witch hunts and i guess an awakening of sorts so first of all towns began to catch on to what hopkins was doing hey wait a minute He just took our gold and killed half of our population. Yeah, exactly. So they were like, oh, you know, this is extortion. And they ran him off. And John Stern was actually outlawed at one point. Oh. Yeah. There was this pastor who criticized the witch finders. His name was John Gall. The gall of that guy. That guy's got gall in order to oppose those witch finders. Well, kind of. He believed that witchcraft did exist, but he thought the craze was based more in superstition than it was in scripture. So, okay, witchcraft exists today. It does. We have mm-hmm. Wiccans. We have people who call themselves witches, and they, they're possibly Satanists and whatever who calls themselves witches and warlocks. But yeah. We've never seen example that anybody's presented to us of supernatural happenings, even after some silly ritual. Sure. It could be some euphoria that they're experiencing due to mind-altering substances or just emotional hooting and hollering. Yeah. But they're not opening a portal to another dimension that nope. say hi to Alistair Crowley or anybody. Nope. So, I mean, it's witchcraft, but it's not the silly stuff that Matthew Hopkins is accusing everybody of doing. Right. So this guy, John Gall, he, he wrote a book called Select Cases of Conscience touching witches and witchcraft which kind of scolded people for assuming that every old woman that they encountered was a witch sometimes they're just old ladies yeah he he called people out for stereotyping he also argued for more stringent standards for evidence so in the film the first accused was a vicar named john lowe it's like he is the one who is the uncle to sarah Yes. The the girl. That's a real story. Lowe's was disliked by a lot of people in his parish because he was a grumpy old man. Oh, that's it? In the movie, yeah. he was just the nicest. Yeah, he was really nice. But, but in the movie, though, he is portrayed as knowing something's up. Like, there's this... Uh, oh, he warns his... Yeah, like niece. yeah, He's like hey, if you know what's up, just be careful. Like yeah, and he talks to Marshall, the soldier guy. He tells him, but there is trouble coming to this village, and I want Sarah far away before it arrives. Because <laughs> this place is creepy as f. Yeah. So the townspeople had tried a few times before to condemn him as a witch, but they failed. And then they invited Hopkins in, and he and John Stern produced a false confession from the guy. And Stern even wrote in that same account that you're referring to that Lowe's had confessed to making a ship sink in calm waters. Yeah. Like what? Like pulling the cork out from the hull of the boat. Because like, they, they always there's have a, a cork? Little, yeah, usually. It's a cartoon thing. Oh. And then it sinks. Oh, right. You've seen cartoons. I have. But no one in the court ever bothered to even check if anything like that ever happened. Okay. So uh, what this guy Gall was arguing for was, hey, we need to have actual evidence. Yeah, go check it out. <laughs> yeah, don't just like, like take the word of the witch finders. Yeah, that is literally like what happens on the internet when somebody uh-huh. posts a meme or something, a uh, misquote or some like internet version of gaslighting everybody on the planet saying this is what happened and that's obviously not what happened Mm -hmm. and they're just trying to vilify somebody right and then it gets passed around by friends and family usually not friends yes and you're like dang it why don't you just 
read. Just look up the claim. Look it up. Look up the claim. Do your research. <laughs> Evidence. Don't just look at it for always face value because it's always typically always wrong it's always some sort of agenda thing so evidence yes evidence do it yes i'm with gall i'm with gall too i'm gonna design some <laughs> no one's gonna know what we're talking about <laughs> like, i'm uh, with gall and i try to find a picture like of gall. oh is he running for office but i don't i don't <laughs> understand was he the only that's opposition? A, yeah that's all i have dang he's the only opposition well he started a movement basically well, you know I'm people glad. started waking up to this con man in the film richard marshall the husband character uh, does get his almost revenge on hopkins he rescues his wife knocks hopkins down goes bloody berserk with an axe and just starts hacking at uh, vincent price yeah matthew hopkins just but he's not quite dead the soldier comes in shoots him and takes him away from you took him from me you took him from me you took him from me super angry because he wanted his revenge yeah he's uh, very passionate in the film like throughout the film like it just gets worse and worse he gets that that eye for revenge i can totally imagine this film being remade Mm -hmm. now apparently it is and not how i'm thinking but jason statham being marshall Hmm. and doing all sorts of it's basically because he did that medieval dumb uve bowl movie in the name of the king (laughs) oh it's kind of a similar sort of thing like fighting against the big guy who has power type of thing that's the only reason why i can imagine it that way but this film had a lot of trouble trouble you say yeah the director is michael reeves who was hired by tygon to do this adaptation of a novel based on the life of Matthew Hopkins. Vincent Price was not cast. Donald Pleasance was cast. What? Yes, which is also nonsense casting, if you think about Matthew Hopkins. Right, because he was in his late 20s or... or, 26 to 29. Yeah, when he was doing all this stuff, and Vincent Price was in his 50s? Just at the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Donald Pleasance wasn't in his 20s. Right. And he's Donald Pleasance. He doesn't look... He's never looked young. That's true. In any movie that we've ever seen. So that's nonsense casting. But the reason why they wanted to cast Donald Pleasance is because they were going to portray Matthew Hopkins as a sort of inept lout. An idiot. Kind of a buffoon. Kind of a bumbler. Bumbling his way through. But when the American company who was distributing this film, they had a deal with Tygon. It's AIP, American International Pictures. Their golden guy was Vincent Price. He had been in 17 of their pictures at this point. And so this would be his 75th film in total. And he's known for his cheesy overacting, his campy style, his very broad stuff. So early in Vincent Price's career, he's like kind of subtle and stuff. And then he starts getting the horror macabre stuff. And he gets like really broad and very mustache twirly and so on. But this, ultimately Price found that this is one of his best performances. He's even admitted it. So it doesn't sound like it's too bad, like behind the scenes yet. But Reeves hated Vincent Price. Oh no! Because, especially because, the production company usurped his casting. His idea for Donald Pleasance being um, the Scooby-Doo of of (laughs) witch-finding? Maybe, yes. So there's another player named Philip Waddellove. He's a former BBC radio producer and music producer guy. He was an associate producer slash Mm -hmm. co-producer of the film. And he served as a kind of like go-between the director and Vincent Price. Oh. (laughs) It was... A 
horrible relationship between Price and Reeves. So when Vincent Price showed up at Heathrow from America, mm-hmm. a lot of us think that Vincent Price is British because he can do that super good. Well, he studied in London for a long time on the London stage, but yeah. Yeah, he can just do yeah. the accent so easy. Yeah. So we all think that he's British, but he, he's an American. So he flew over to Heathrow, was not greeted at the airport by Reeves at all, which was a deliberate snub mm. to the production company and Vincent. And Vincent reportedly said, Take me to your expletive deleted young genius. He said that to the producer. Film. Yeah, he was going to go talk to the director. Yeah. And then maybe fight him with his fists. <laughs> well, the director said, here's a quote. I don't want you. I still don't want you, but I'm stuck with you. And I don't know if that's what he sounds like. These are all like argument quotes now. Vincent Price responds, maybe then, maybe at another time. I've made 87 films. What have you done? Reeves, being the pompous young director. I've made three good ones. Oh. <laughs> Which... Is a burn. I hate to say, but that's like a dope burn. That's a really good... If if they were rap battling... Yeah, that reminds me actually of me and my brother fighting when we were teenagers. And I always had that little jab thing that Uh made him go... "Ah, (laughs) Because his were like really obvious bully things and my retort is like this cutting yeah simple thing and yeah it never made him feel good but that yeah i'm kind of proud of that even though it's against vincent price yeah 87 versus three good yeah yeah yeah. oh the implications so price claimed that this is like the only movie that he's worked on which he outright clashed with the director mm. director didn't like him he didn't like the director the director he says couldn't communicate with the actors at all like he would just say don't do that <laughs> Don't move your head like that. <laughs> okay. yeah, like what? You're doing it again. Don't do that. Like that kind of direct... Like, what am I doing? You need to describe it so I know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. There was an accident on set because the director needed a specific scene. It was Vincent Price had a musket pistol and he has to shoot toward the camera. But the camera is looking at a horse and Vincent Price on the back of the horse. And his musket pistol is right between the ears of the horse. <gasps> no. Right? It was going to be loaded with a blank, but that's mm-hmm. still going to hurt the, the ears of the horse. Right. So he he said, What? You want the gun to go bang between the ears of the... Expletive deleted. Nag! How do you think he's going to react? When they did the scene, the horse bucked and knocked Vincent off the horse. Uh-huh. And Vincent was livid. Well, yeah. Like, super mad. He wasn't hurt. Uh-huh. But he was like... Well, he loves animals to begin with. I know that he always had a hard time riding horses because he was such a a big in stature man. And he hated riding horses. Like he liked horses, but he hated riding them because he thought that it was such a laborious thing for them. Because he's a big guy. Because he's a big guy. He'd be like me on a horse. Yeah. What, he was 6'3 or something? He was 6'4". Oh, so me and him. Yeah. Me and Vincent Price. He's the same height. Yeah. Giants among men so i know he had a soft spot for horses anyway yeah so the peek behind the curtain is uh, sort of like never meet your idols <laughs> never meet them because they're gonna let you down in some sort of way you've lifted them up as these great people or pinnacle uh-huh. of people an example of how you want to be or just something amazing that you like and then vincent price shows up visibly intoxicated to the set on his last day of shooting and reeves gets all pissed he's drunk how dare he show up drunk to my set? I'll kill the bastard. I know it's a different accent than I did before. <laughs> 
Nobody said I was great at acting. Last day of shooting is also the, the finale of the film. So, the axe. Oh. So, Vincent has the big axe scene where he gets knocked down and gets bludgeoned by an axe. And he tells the actor, Ogilvy, who plays Marshall, really lay into him. <laughs> Philip Wadalov, the producer, was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, he took Vincent over to the side and was like, here, put all this padding on. <laughs> put it on. Just do it. Since he's a producer, he's actually got <laughs> some duties, and one of those is yeah. taking care of the actors, and so he did that. So later, after Price saw the film, he was like, oh, okay, I, I get what you wanted me to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote a letter, like a 10-page letter, praising the film. Wow, well, okay. And Reeves wrote back, I knew you'd think so. <laughs> <laughs> what an ego. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. So after Reeves' death, Vincent Price had said, I realized that he wanted a low-key, very laid-back, menacing performance. He did get it, but I was fighting him almost every step of the way. Had I known what he wanted, I would have cooperated. Aww. Again, a very terrible impression of Vincent Price, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to work on it. I have no confidence in my abilities to do it. Well, I think we all get what you're doing. So. Okay. The end had some continuity errors on set. They had a musket pistol that mm. needs to be loaded rather laboriously and slowly if you're going to shoot it a second time. So they only yeah. had one shot to do, and they realized, crap, we can't have them shoot two people. With the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they truncated the end scene. And so they shot it the way they did, where with the axe bludgeoning and all that stuff. It's so much more brutal that way. And rather quick. Mm-hmm. And, oh, see, this is a European film, and most of the time you think of European films as having lots of TNA in them. Yeah. And this movie didn't really have that, except for the German cut. It had boobies. Boobies? It had boobies. And it had this scene in the pub with bar winches and stuff, getting their kid off. And the director was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. So the guy who hired the director was like, I'll do it. And then he shot it for the German market. Oh. That's that. And the, so the movie was highly censored, obviously. Aha. Uh-huh. Because it's brutally violent. Yeah, violence. A America violence. didn't get the booby version. We just got the cleavage version. UK got the cleavage version. Germany got the boobs. So the British censors tried to cut the thing to pieces because uh, they That's thought, what they do. Yeah, well, that's what they do. But they said that the film gave the impression that it was exploiting violence and in particular sadism for commercial reasons. Ah. Uh. Kind of it was. I can see how they would say that. But also, like, if you're just not pulling away to show, like, this is how dumb those people were back then. Right. Would you consider this a torture porn film before torture porn existed? Well, not exactly. I mean, the scenes were excruciating, but they weren't reveling. It was more emotionally disturbing than it was, like, shocking and... Right. When you watch the later Saw movies, they're reveling in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're like, <laughs> Ooh, how about this? Ooh, this is going to mess some people up. Right, yeah, and this, this is not that. This isn't that. This is literally showing a stabbing into the back over and over again to get a result of, like, this is horribly messed up. This isn't... Imagine yourself in this situation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Man, it, the whole witch hunt thing is just... It's a part of history that is really shameful. Yeah, it's... It is. The Guardian felt the film was gratuitous sadism. Sunday Telegraph dismissed it as 
sadistic extravaganza. <laughs> London Times Saturday Review was a lot nicer to it. They said that Reeves is no longer merely promising. He already has real achievements behind him, not merely good horror films, but good films, period. Oh. So that's that's a positive thing. So uh, others cite, not since Peeping Tom has a film aroused such an outcry about nastiness and gratuitous violence as this oh, one. Right. And Peeping Tom was a movie about a serial killer uh-huh. who liked to take pictures of his victims as he's killing them. Right. Was that the first video nasty? Close to it. Or it was okay. one of those that had a big outcry to start the ball rolling. Ah. It's a 60s movie. It came out mm-hmm. a close to, It's kind of a contemporary to Psycho. Right, right. Okay. So not quite video nasties. That's video market late 70s. Yeah, okay. But it's one of those early, early nasty ones that they call. Now the film as it came out in America and starred Vincent Price was called Conqueror Worm. Conqueror Worm. Edgar Allan Poe's Conqueror Worm. That's a poem. Yeah. So they had him record some stuff for the beginning and the end. Oh, so it was a... It was a justified tie-in to have it say Edgar Allan Poe's Conqueror Worm. What does the Conqueror Worm have to do with this this story? So you just have him read it at the beginning and the end and sandwich it. I don't think... Vincent Price had made a ton of Edgar Allan Poe movies. That's true. And this is the deal. They wanted to make bank off of his Edgar Allan Poe movies. So this Mm -hmm. is the loosest of loose Edgar Allan Poe tie-ins. Yeah, because that poem doesn't have anything to do with this. It's incredibly cynical. Huh. It's a cynical move to get the drive-in crowd to go, Oh, it says Edgar Allan Poe. I love those movies. Right. If I'm remembering correctly, like I studied Poe in high school. That poem, I think it has to deal with the inevitability of death. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't see how that... I mean, I know what you're saying, mm-hmm. but it's totally not justifiable. Well, that's the deal with that. Now, Tygon went on to make another film that I really, really am bored of. What's that? It's a sequel in spirit. <laughs> it's a spiritual successor to this film. It's not a sequel. Okay. It just has the similar vibe. It is blood on Satan's claw. Oh, 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 okay, yes. My first experience with that was watching Elvira. Like, my very first Elvira movie that I watched was Blood on Satan's Claw. So, the movie would be playing, and then she would pop in and crack wise about it during commercial breaks or right before or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you'd watch the rest of the film. And I was just like, ugh, boring. Go back to Elvira. <laughs> of course, go back to Elvira. <laughs> She's lively. Blood on Satan's Claw is not lively. No, but it's it is similar to this. It is yeah. folk horror in, in a similar way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it is actually purporting that there is indeed a devil and the witches are real and all of that. Whereas Matthew Hopkins was exploiting people's superstitions uh-huh. about that in order to gain a buck and women's. Yeah. So did you like the film? I did in a way. I like Vincent Price's performance, obviously. Yeah. Some things about it were nice. I, I do appreciate the tie-ins to history. I'll tell you what I didn't like about it. There is a character in maybe the third act who is introduced because his his lover is, is being burned because she's... Oh, that storyline sucked. <laughs> yeah, okay. You it know- <laughs> did so much for the movie for a second and yeah. then it stopped. You know exactly what I'm talking about. 
obviously. It went nowhere! His, his lover is being burned because she's uh, been tried and, and proved a witch, apparently. And She's so, basically a sexy baby to wouldn't put out. Right. Is what it is. Yeah, and he is obviously distraught about it, and he also wants revenge against Hopkins. So He's also almost manlier than Marshall. Like, he's, right. he's a pretty manly dude. Yeah. So you think, you're like, oh, okay, cool. They're going to team up. Hell yeah. And they're going to take him down. Hell yeah. And then he, he jumps out. He's got his knife at Hopkins. And then he just ends up being killed somehow. Like, yeah. He just, gets like, really run quickly. through by some other guy. And it was like, yeah. hey, there's a guy coming at you. Kill him. And that's what happens. It was like, so anticlimactic. Like, oh, well, that happened. So anticlimactic. Really? I was really... Disappointed. I know, me you too. You wanted to be like, yeah, my wife is, yeah, you need to go get her. Come on. And maybe he can die later. Yeah. Because his wife's already dead, so, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't have much to live for, <laughs> so it's okay to sacrifice the character. But he, like, walk, basically walks into a wall and dies. That's how anticlimactic it is. It's such a useless part of the story. I don't, I don't, like, why is it even there? Well, the big, big battle was cut down. Stern, in the original ending, he was going to uh, get in with some gypsies and then try to rape a gypsy lady and she's going to gouge his eyes out and then they tie his thumbs to his ankles and kill him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> While, yeah, it's this big long... I think that would have actually been cool because Stern's just kind of killed and, like, the main focus is on Hopkins getting killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it was going to be a, a lot more elaborate. Ah. And budget-wise, they were like, oh. So we got the truncated version. I mean, it's... All the stuff that they shot, but it's the truncated version from the script. Ah. Uh, me, I like the film uh, more than I expected because I had read so much on these uh, dork forums and whatever where movie lovers are like, Oh, this is horrible. Hardest dark witch finding dark movie. And it wasn't as. I think it's disturbing because, you know, that is just an awful time in history. Yeah. So it's something that you have to deal with. It's not something that we think about a lot, but when it does come up, it's just like, oh. Yeah. It does hit you really hard. No, the film itself is not that hard. Nope. So I think it's more of just an emotional... The the subject matter mm-hmm. is, is the hardest part of it. Yeah. I do think if you are a Vincent Price fan, you need to see this film. Mm-hmm. You need to see how subtle he can go. Yeah, it's definitely unlike anything else that he ever did as far as horror goes. I, I'm not completely familiar with his earlier dramatic roles like in Laura. Well, or, those are oh, very subtle is what yeah. I'm saying. Um, but when he goes horror, he goes big. Yeah, yeah. And here he brings it back down to drama. Mm-hmm. And it's good. Mm-hmm. So I say watch it. Yeah, I do too. So thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Vincent Price's Laugh. You can follow us. Please follow us on iTunes. You can subscribe, leave us a review. We have a Twitter. We have a Facebook. Just go ahead and Google Vincent Price's Laugh and everything will come up. If you would like to contribute to our Patreon, that's really cool, too. Andrew, can you tell me what the Patreon is? Jimetsko. You look up the word Jimetsko on Patreon or <laughs> patreon.com slash Jimetsko. I always think that people aren't going to understand understand what I'm saying. G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O. Yes. I mean, I hope you can spell. (laughs) 
so yeah thanks a lot and we'll be back next time with another cool film so stay tuned good night everyone this podcast is brought to you by ouch my ego visit ouchmyego.com i am a warlock you are also a witch Ha 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 ha!